Welcome back to another episode of the Scared Save Horror Podcast. I am your host, Doug Plumatello. I'm a filmmaker from Connecticut who has released 83 short films under my Scared Save banner. I'm the writer and director of the upcoming feature-length film, Halloween Candy. Today, we have a very special episode. We have an awesome guest here on the show, Dalen Lane, who is an amazingly talented makeup artist. Without further ado, here's Dalen. Hi, so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on the show. I'm very excited. Dalen is one of my favorite people I've ever met. She is... You're one of my favorites. Oh, you're just saying that. <laughs> Definitely not. You're one of my oh. favorites, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I've known Dalen for roughly 20 years now. Oh, wow. It has... Oh, painful. Yeah, it's been that long. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's been it's been fun. And just recently we started working together. Yeah. Well, actually, you did make up on the Zombie Chronicles, which is about 10 years ago. That's true, but that was I feel like recently that was the real test. So uh yeah. I, I although I loved being on the Zombie Chronicles, I wasn't a part of the entire thing. So this was really um, you know, I felt very lucky and honored to be a part of the entire uh, feature film. Yeah, Halloween Candy Dalen really showed her skills. Just not just makeup, not not just doing makeup, but she, you helped out in so many different ways that the movie would not have happened without you. So, oh, Pishaw, thank you though. Yes, yes. <laughs> so today we have a fun topic. Um, with the recent release of Five Nights at Freddy's, we're going to discuss gateway horror and what leads people into becoming horror fans. I'm very excited by this topic. Yeah. So have you you've seen the Five Nights at Freddy movie? I did. I actually just watched it um, this past week. And got to be honest, I was surprised that I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun movie. I watched it in the theater a couple weekends ago. Did you know anything about the games before you watched the movie? I only knew a little bit about the games, but but not I'm not a fan. I haven't played, so I literally just knew that it was like a horror game franchise, if you will, but not a ton about it. So I I consider going into this fairly blindly. Yeah, me too. I yeah, I knew it was a game. I knew there was a security camera involved, but I really didn't know much about it. And I didn't realize until after I'd watched it that there was a lot more lore to this game than I'd given it credit for. I, I kind of want to play it now just to explore and see what else is in there because I'm sure the game is better than the film even but yeah so did you you also did not think that you were going to love it no I usually like these kind of things um I, I honestly just didn't know what to expect from the movie and you know I I watched it and I was entertained here's the thing with movies for me it does not need to be a five-star masterpiece. Like as long as I'm entertained for the 90 minutes I'm watching it, great. The movie did its job. So, you know, some movies aren't meant to be examined and broken down after the fact. When I, when I, the movie first ended, I was like, okay, well that was entertaining. Until so there was there was a few girls in the, in the theater that I just kind of overheard their conversation, and they were like, "That movie was amazing." I'm like, oh, what am I missing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, were they younger? Like teenage, like teenagers. I have a hard time telling people's age sometimes. I guess they they must have been in high school, maybe like freshmen or sophomores. But when they said that, it made me think, okay, maybe there's something that I'm missing. And then I kind of looked into it, and there was a lot of lore that went into it. So it was a lot more went into the movie than I had originally given it credit for. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I guess I also think that there's this new interest in horror by a lot of folks who are not horror fans. And I kind of feel like Five Nights at Freddy's actually is a good exploration of that. I Cause it's geared maybe not directly towards children, but definitely towards teenagers who are not heavily exposed, at least not yet usually. So I guess I could kind of see why they thought it was so amazing, but that's actually really nice to hear. It was an interesting category because there's a lot of people that if a movie, a horror movie is PG-13, they're out. They won't even give it a shot. And then part of the audience, their parents may not let them go see it because they're too young to watch PG-13. So it is actually a very brave thing to make a horror movie PG-13 this day and age because you're kind of alienating a lot of your audience. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that was fun watching in the theaters, I was sitting next to a little girl, had to have been seven years old. 
And one of the trailers before the movie was um, Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was surprised the amount of gore they put in that trailer. She was hiding her eyes at the trailer. But that's also Eli Roth, who does not shy away from gore and camp degrees of gore as well. So I look, you and I historically have discussed Eli Roth and you know that I very much appreciate his films and certain methods that he utilizes. That said, I am not necessarily a fan of a lot of his films. I think they're kind of overhyped to each their own. Um, but that film I am looking forward to actually, I think it's going to be very, very fun. So the gore level should be there. And then like the, the backstory of the movie is actually really interesting. How over a decade ago, it was a fake trailer to a movie and people willed it into existence. And here we are, maybe 15 years later, we're getting Thanksgiving. So I'm, I'm really excited for it. I remember when that trailer came out during, um, what was the Quentin Tarantino? Um, it was Grindhouse. Yeah, the Grindhouse uh, double feature. And immediately everyone wanted that to be made. So I'm glad it it is finally coming out, even though it did take so long. Yeah, because there's a, a bunch of their smaller budget Thanksgiving movies, but there really hasn't been one that was really given like a real full Hollywood treatment. No. So this is exciting to see because this is one of the films that we don't actually, we don't have a holiday film dedicated to it and it deserves it big time. Oh, absolutely. And it, it's really smart because like how many Halloween movies do you watch year after year? You know, like, I'll watch the same Halloween movies year after year because it's a tradition. Same thing with with like Christmas, you know, watch the same Christmas movies, Home Alone, Christmas Vacation. But for Thanksgiving, there's not that many. So no, he it's it's an untapped market for repeat viewings. What are there for Thanksgiving? Um, in the horror genre, there's a few. There's like Thanksgiving. There's <laughs> I think that's it. There's, there's real. I don't there's, think I know any others. There was the, the final, what was that? I watched one the other day, like the final Thanksgiving or, but you know, they're, they're very, very low budget movies, but nothing yeah. was really given like a real polished treatment, you know, outside of horror, of course you have like planes, trains and automobiles, but in the horror genre, <laughs> not much. So, yeah. Yeah. It was, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And also shout out for like Christmas films as well, Krampus. And I know that that's getting a sequel. So I'm kind of excited about that because I love that film. I finally that was so well done. Yeah, I finally watched the real Krampus last year because there's there were so many. You know, if you go on Tubi or Amazon, there's like twelve mm -hmm. movies that are Krampus, but I didn't actually watch the real one until last year. So did you like it? I did. Yeah, yeah. It was it was yeah. I I really enjoyed it. There there's a there's a few. It's it's starting to get become very popular. You know, for for years we had you know just like Black Christmas. But in the last mm -hmm. few years, you know, in like Violent Night, um, Better Watch Out, we've gotten a lot of really good Christmas horror movies. So, yeah. Yeah. And I love a, a film also that has more of a fantasy folklore aspect to it, because I feel like years ago that was more popular. And then the realism of horror kind of came to fruition, which we saw with you know, like the 70s and the 80s and whatnot. But now I think we're kind of taking a step back into folklore and, you know, full circle talking about the the young ladies who you saw at the at the movie theater. So. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah. P2 is another one that's great. You watch P2. Yes. Yes. Oh. Underrated film, but very good. So fun. One, one of my favorite actresses. I know Rachel Nichols is not well known, but man, she's mm -hmm. she's good. She's done a few yeah. more movies. Um so yeah, shout out to Rachel Nichols. But back back to the topic at hand, um, gateway horror. What was your introduction to the horror genre? So my my real introduction was Psycho, and I will never forget being in the living room. I think I had to be about four or five years old, and I watched it with my mom. And I was very scared. And then I think immediately following in the same year, the second gateway, if you will, was actually Ghost, which hmm. isn't necessarily a horror film. But I think immediately after that film, I became absolutely fascinated by ghosts and the spirit realm and all of that stuff. And I've I've never slowed down since. Yeah, a gateway horror does not actually need to be a horror movie. You know, you have like Casper from 95, Hocus Pocus. Oh, yeah. A lot of these have horror tropes and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the vibe of a horror movie, but they're not quite. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, what was yours? My gateway horror was the animated Legend of Sleepy Hollow. The animated one? The Dis- Disney Where? version. Oh, of course. Of course. Nin- that one is so good. 1949. I tell you, that that got a hold of me. That one is also scary. Yeah, it's it's a horror movie. Think about it. You know, there's mm-hmm. some little funny touches they, they do during the chase so that the kids don't get too scared, remind them that it's all mm-hmm. in good fun. But yeah, it's pretty much a horror movie. You know, the guy goes into the woods alone and he gets stalked by a guy with a sword trying to cut off his head. That's a horror movie. Yeah. It's animated, but hey. <laughs> so that was probably my gateway horror. That's a good one. Also, a Casper. But Casper, I was... I think a teenager at that point. So that was a, a still, hmm. I guess I would consider it still part of the gateway because then, you know, your, your teenage brain is starting to form. Um, but, but yeah, that, that was also such a good film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know, what was probably the first really scary movie I watched again, a Disney movie. Have you ever watched Watcher in the Woods with Betty Davis? Oh, yeah. And Kylie Richards from Halloween was actually in that movie as well. Oh, I haven't thought of that film in such a long time. That one is really good. Yeah. When I tell you, I won't lie, for years, when I was home alone, I would take a path around the house to avoid mirrors because Nerek may be looking back at me. (laughs) Yeah. There was also another film I remember watching as a kid. I'm forgetting her name now. Who was the actress from? It's been such a long day. The actress from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, Audrey Hepburn. Yes, Audrey Hepburn. Thank you. So Audrey Hepburn is in a film where she um, portrays a blind woman. And of course, I'm not going to be able to remember this film. Um, And she gets broken. Her house, her apartment gets broken into. And it's also like a thriller horror. And it's excellent and it still stands you know the test of time it's so good and i remember watching that also as a a kid and kind of being fascinated because it's already black and white but a lot of the film she is is really in the physical dark and i am still at almost 40 years old afraid of the dark so it resonated with me so deeply and her acting in it is so good hey being afraid of the dark is nothing to be afraid of it's think about it. It is a natural human condition to be afraid of the dark because humans don't have night vision. Animals have night vision. So when you're outside, the animals have the advantage. So yes. it's nothing to be ashamed of. I wish we had night vision. How awesome would that be? That would be cool. Yes. Yeah. What could have been? What could have been? <laughs> you know? So yeah, back to the topic at hand. I find there is a a lot of other ones that you probably grew up with, Ghostbusters, that was a great yeah. gateway horror movie. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a lot of parts of that movie that are really scary. The library scene. Oh, yeah. And then when she turns and gives him the, the, the finger to be quiet. Yeah. And then, she... and then she's enraged. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That that was scary. When I, I remember I didn't want to watch the rest of the movie because I was young when, that, when I first saw that. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not ready for this kind of movie. Not realizing it was a comedy at heart, but, (laughs) you know, yeah. Even the safe of character, honestly, as a kid, I immediately loved him. But when he starts getting jolted and that angry face that he makes where he's screaming as a kid, I remember thinking that his face was so scary looking. So, yeah, I mean, there are definitely some amazing, spookier, creepy parts in that film. Absolutely. Another form of gateway horror, back to the PG-13 movies, there were movies like Poltergeist that was readily available for a lot of people to see because it wasn't rated R. Mm-hmm. And even though I know a lot of people will say, uh, no one dies in that movie, it's not real horror, it doesn't matter. That movie was still scary. It doesn't matter if anyone dies or not, you know? And it was readily available. It, was, it played on network television in the 80s because it was PG-13. For a lot of people, that was their introduction to horror movies. It's also such a slap of reality, that film, because so many of us did go to sleep, you know, watching something and then the static would come on. Like, I remember that, too. So it was something that you could easily relate to. And the family dynamic was very relatable as well. And also, even though no one died, knowing the lore, the history of that film and that there were some actual real skeletons used on set, you know, that 
amplifies the actual creepy factor because I don't think the actors knew that at the time. So that movie is terrifying. I still watch that film every few years and I love that film so much. And I think even the sequels, they, they're not you know as good as the original, but they're really not bad either. That guy in part two is phenomenal he is a horror icon just because of that that one character uh, so, yeah so he good. is terrifying so good. yeah <laughs> yeah and another another gateway for a lot of people on you had kids shows goosebumps are you afraid of the dark and these were readily available on channel 16 or nickelodeon and fox in the afternoons and eerie indiana eerie indiana i i did not watch that was that disney channel I think it was. That show was so good. The boy from Hocus Pocus was in that, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I hear good things about it. It's one of the things I should probably try to, you know, look it up and binge it because it's probably right up my alley, I'm sure. And I don't even think it was that. I, I feel like it was only a couple of seasons as well. But that show was really good. I mean, I don't know if it, if it's still good, like us watching it now and at our age, but I'm sure it's not bad. Honestly, I've watched old Goosebumps at this age and old Are You Afraid of the Dark? Are You Afraid of the Dark still gets me. Still. <laughs> it was great. That show really holds up. Some yeah. of those stories that I know Hollywood has actually tapped into Are You Afraid of the Dark. M. Night Shyamalan has openly said that he took the ending from The Sixth Sense from an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Mm -hmm. I think it was The Tale of the Dream Girl, I believe was the name of the episode. Yeah. And then they, was it last year that they relaunched the show on Disney? Yeah, I think, I think yeah, the Nickelodeon streaming service, they had a couple seasons of it. Yeah, it's not nearly as good because now, you know how each episode was its own story. Now it's a continuity factor. So it's one elongated story, if you will. And it's just not the same. But I also, listen, as a horror fan, I'll take whatever I can get. But th those shows were wonderful. They were so good. And just, you know, the acting also of those teens, those were kids. Yeah. There were some big names that were in that um, first incarnation of Afraid of the Dark. Nev Campbell was in an episode. Mm -hmm. Elijah Cuthbert was actually a recurring character. Ra Rachel Blanchard was a recurring character in that series. So some, some names that, that went on to do some big things. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for real. Look at Nev Campbell. How, how far she has really gone. <laughs> yeah. So one year that I always point to that created a generation of horror fans. That was 1993. 1993, we got three solid movies that became classics that introduced a lot of people to horror movies. One was Hocus Pocus. Mm -hmm. One was The Halloween Tree, also scored by John Debney, who did Hocus Pocus, and Nightmare Before Christmas. All three of those movies came out in a three-month span, and those became classics that are watched to this day. I gotta be honest, I have never heard of the Halloween tree. Really? It's a Ray Bradbury story. It's traditional in my house. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure how many people actually do watch it. It is a classic story. It's a, a book that's still in print. It's about a 50-year-old story. And I think Hannah Barbera animated it. The art style, it's like your, your basic Scooby-Doo style animation, but the story's great. The color palette really feels like Halloween. How cool. I wrote it down because now I have to watch it. But um, I know it came out on DVD a few years back, so it's out there. Oh, OK. Yeah. And I love Ray Bradbury as well. So, I mean, I feel like you can't go wrong with him and his his writing and stories. So that's cool. But Hocus Pocus and, and Nightmare Before Christmas, of course, so beautiful in all of their color and their cinematography and, you know, for Nightmare, the animation, claymation, all of that. Yeah. Actually, one more note about the Halloween tree. Um, Ray Bradbury himself actually narrated the movie. Oh, how cool. And I think he has radio background because he has a very like rich baritone voice, but very childlike. Mm -hmm. not, not, I mean, not childlike, like he sounds like a child, but like he really has that emotion of remembering his childhood fondly, you know? Yeah. I, and he might, and I feel like sometimes just storytellers in general are able to inflect and emote in ways that other people cannot. They're the storytellers, right? Right. Yeah. So fast forward a few years, I find that 
the next generation, there's a lot more gateway horror for them to choose from. You know, starting in the 2000s, you got you got your Munster House, you've got Coraline, you got a lot more stuff that kind of introduced people. Mm-hmm. Got them at a young age. Well, Scooby Doo is not new, but every generation has a new Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. It just kind of hooks you. I know they have Vampirina. So it's starting younger and younger. You're getting a lot more of, of horror content. Not straight horror movies, but stuff that'll hook the kids when they're young. I do think that our generation had the best Scooby-Doo with Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School. Yeah. But I don't know if a lot of people would know about that now. To be honest, I've mentioned it even to a few friends and they've never heard of it before, but that is one of my all-time favorite animated films. So I know I've seen a lot of the Scooby-Doo's, but I honestly can't tell you which one is which, except for like some of the newer ones, because it's clearly it's a different art style. So this one is Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy stumble upon a school and it's all girls, but they're all daughters of monsters. And they help them you know with all of their learnings but then there's an evil witch who lives in the forest and wants to take over their parents they're you know and anyway it's so good and it's simple like it's just an easy watching film but it's just very fun um yeah i definitely recommend (laughs) that sounds good yeah so there's there's a lot of options out there and one thing that i always say about anything i'm passionate about that, hey, I may watch some kid's movie that's supposed to be scary and I'm not feeling it, but if someone else is loving it and it's introducing them to the genre that I love, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Like, it was really cool. Those girls that were leaving the theater for seeing Five Nights and Freddy's that were blown away. They're like, that was unbelievable. Like, mm-hmm. great. There's a new scared stiff fan in, in the making right here. <laughs> yeah. Not that I want to make it I- selfishly about me, but, you know, it's exciting <laughs> that the, the genre is still growing. True. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, I'm curious. Can I ask you a question? Yes. So is there a film that you, th- you do you think, had you watched this film growing up, that you would have not been into horror? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, what did I, what would it have been? I was into it at such a young age. I, I got to think about that. I don't think so. And I feel the same. I don't think so. And I don't know. Um, But I'm curious because I know for sure sometimes certain genres do turn people off, you know, and then they just can't watch certain things, at least not as much as maybe you and I in general watch horror and consume. But yeah. Actually, maybe the first time I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think I was a little older. I was like 16. And I was like, whoa, this movie's serious. Especially when they say, based mm-hmm. on a true story, and they give you the little mm-hmm. snaps at the beginning, this actually happened. I was like, whoa, maybe they shouldn't be making this movie. you know. And so maybe if I saw that at a, you know five or six, I might have been like, uh-uh, no more. You know? I, I guess I can, I think I can agree with you. Also, I think maybe some of the Japanese horror, like had I maybe seen Ringu you know, as a kid, there's something about it that's so unsettling, even though they don't really show all that much in the film. But even so, yeah, maybe something like that where you're not seeing much and it's all so mental instead. But yeah, Toby Hooper ruining lives at a young age. <laughs> yeah. Um, good job, Toby. No, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things that I always try to think like what got me into scary movies. And I honestly, I, I think it was just with a lot of people. It's just in our blood. Like I remember in kindergarten, you have nap time. And I was lying on the map, and the teacher had a Halloween decoration up. And I couldn't stop staring at it. I was so drawn to this. It was a skeleton riding a broomstick. I'll never forget. And I just couldn't stop staring at it. So I think it's like in our blood. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. it's and I, I generally don't get scared during these movies, but I love watching them. And I can't explain it. Yeah, yeah I love them too. I There are, I think nowadays... It really takes a strong film to scare me. Um, even I just watched Hell House uh, Origins, the uh, Carmichael Manor. And that was the first film in a very, very, very long time that I watched alone at night. And there were certain parts that I had to pause and I had to kind of like check the house and make sure that things were OK and that the sounds were all that they all made sense. But yeah, I mean, same growing up. I have always been fascinated with 
you know, we'll say, I guess, darker, spookier things, just also same thing. Anytime I would see something, it was just like a moth to the flame, just drawn to wanting to understand it and be a part of it. We can't fight it. We got to go with it. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Great. So I think our, our next segment of the show is called 13 Questions. Oh, boy. <laughs> I did prep you for this because I think this is better if you are not expecting any of the questions and I'm just going to kind of rapid fire or, you know, take your time to answer if you have something to say about it. But just, you know, I don't want to lead you in anything. I just want this is just your raw opinions. Okay, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. And there is no no wrong answers. All right. Ready? All ready. Dalen Lane with 13 questions. First one, as a makeup artist, what is your favorite cinematic makeup? Oh, man. Uh, if we're speaking exclusively to horror, I think, oh, man, I don't know. It could be it could be the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Um, oof. We'll go with that for classic. And I think for modern off the top of my head. Um, I was so entranced and bewitched by the makeup in Talk to Me. I thought it was so well done, so beautiful, so realistic looking. I, I mean, it, it has haunted me, we'll say. I'm so amazed by it. So maybe those are the two I'll, I'll answer with. Awesome. I love it. Next question. Favorite horror franchise? Halloween. John Carpenter's Halloween specifically, excluding the last two films that said Halloween by John Carpenter easily. But also just in general, I think he is my favorite horror director, writer, and we'll say soundtrack maker. Gotcha. All right. Well, you answered my next question, which was <laughs> going to be least favorite installment in that franchise, but you already said that. Well, okay. In that franchise, though, my least favorite is probably Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. And because also Halloween 2, John Carpenter's, his quote unquote version, we'll say, um, before the new one came out, um, I that is also actually a gateway film. That was, I saw that even before the first Halloween. What, you saw and the that, before you saw the original? No, no, no. I saw the sequel before Whoa. actual 78 Halloween. And that something about the hospital that stayed with me, especially as, as a kid, it that's I think why I'm so fascinated by Michael Myers and Laurie Strode and these characters. Um, and they've really stayed with me throughout all of these years. So I think this Rob Zombie's sequel, I think was such an offensive film, um, excluding his use of sound work. His sounds are on another level of visceral, but um, yeah, that's my least favorite. Wow, that's a very interesting dynamic. That was your least favorite of the franchise, but it's what turned you on. That's turned you on the horror, I should say. That's um, yeah. interesting. Yeah, but but again, like, you know, I saw Rob Zombies as, as an adult and I saw the the original halloween 2 as a kid um but before the actual original halloween and i think that's why i have such strong feelings in general about the franchise the remakes everything so you hated halloween 2 worse than um, worse than halloween ends yes because i oof <laughs> i know okay <laughs> but i hate them for such different reasons that I can grasp accepting, I will, look, I have blind faith in John Carpenter, so I just have to give him this pass, you know? I, no, there's no wrong answers. These, these are your answers. Yeah. These are all subjective. Yeah. Out of curiosity. So that, it shows you the, the passion we have for these movies. Like, think about this. He made such a good first movie that people will hate watch the 12th sequel. <laughs> yep that's that's it yeah definitely that says something about the power of the original yeah i also think the sixth one is up there for being a terrible film and people really don't talk about this one at all for whatever yeah no one really talks about it and it's not a good film but i just don't think it's the worst there's some trouble in that production 
from what I read, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the one with Paul Rudd. And it's so strange. I do have a soft spot for that movie. I actually have a little Halloween six shrine in my office here. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, no offense, no fighting words. I respect it. I just don't have to like it. That, that's the thing. That's why movies are so subjective. It's like there may be a movie that 99 out of 100 people hate, but if you happen to watch it at a certain point in your life and it brings back memories from a certain era or people you were mm -hmm. with, People, you can't take that away from you. That's why I, I don't argue with people about movies. Like, I might love a movie, and I don't care if someone else hates it. As long as I'm enjoying it, that's all that matters. You never get so riled up about a film? Mm, I'm sure it's happened. Um, not for a while. Like, I don't think I've ever gotten to a screaming match over it. Okay. Me and you had a good debate last Thanksgiving about Terminator 2 or Aliens. But that was... Oh, yeah. Ugh. That's true. That was that was a good debate. You're also, I think at the time you were the first person I had a real debate about that with, but you were not the last. Since that debate, I've now had that debate with other people. Um, What's the consensus? Yeah. It doesn't matter. I'm still just right. Okay, so let's give context for people listening. We had a debate. Better sequel, Terminator 2 or Aliens? Both done by Cameron. So it's actually, he, he did two of the greatest sequels of all time. Same director. And that I agree with. They're both such incredible films. But for me, Aliens is, again, I mean, it's such a, a totally different degree of everything. And Terminator 2, I feel, not that it was an easy film, but it's an easier sequel to make and guarantee that people would enjoy it compared to aliens. I think people are very particular about their, their grays and their aliens and the storylines around them and what, how space looks and, you know, all that stuff. And I think it's just a much more difficult film to, to master. One thing that I try to get out, like that's why I don't debate with, with movies a lot of times is, you know, it turns into, well, don't you like this in this movie? Don't you like this part of Aliens? And like, it's not like I dislike the other movie. One of them I have to like better than the other. So I just state my opinion and then let them state theirs and we move on. Well, I am, wait a second, for context, what what is your, can you speak to your opinion a little bit more? Of Terminator 2? Yeah. I, I just think, well, the stakes are much higher. We're talking the end of humanity versus the end of a spaceship. So the stakes are much higher. You had a lot more set pieces in Terminator 2. With Aliens, you're pretty much stuck in the same spaceship. Okay. So, I, and I understand yeah. that. And then at me, my personal likings, I could relate more to Terminator 2 because it took place in our world. In our 19... Well, 1994 was when it took place, I think. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I, I relate to it a lot more than Aliens. I like Aliens. I think the Aliens was phenomenal. I just, mm -hmm. I give the tip of the hat to Terminator 2. Yeah. And I respect that. And I, I think that that is a good opinion to have. And amazingly so. enough, I swear to you, 1991 technology, that CGI still holds up. I will say that, yeah, that film, the CGI in it is, I mean, I don't think Aliens really had cgi or whatever it might have had it was obviously very different but yeah terminator 2's cgi in particular there's no comparison yeah and i also think if i sorry i also think if it was done today it would not be anywhere close to where it was when it had been originally made well compare terminator 2 which was 91 to terminator 3 which was 2003 the effects in 2 were way better I think because what they did, they did things practically until they couldn't, and they blended it with the CGI. Mm -hmm. But like for instance, in the opening, the opening scene of Terminator Three, when that little mannequin just melts inside the the department store, like oh man, that yeah. was so bad. Like it takes you out of it, and that's yeah. twelve years of technology <laughs> of mm -hmm. advancement. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready for the next question? Yeah, that was a good one. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are going to talk about, this is kind of um, an oxymoron, but favorite horror remake. Oh, no. Okay. 
because uh, you know I have such strong feelings about remakes and reimagings in general. Um, favorite horror remake? Oh, I feel like I'm gonna get hate for this, but this is the one that's coming to mind. Um, I think Evil Dead. <gasps> wow. In my brain, it was a toss-up between Evil Dead and Friday the 13th, the one with um, the, the guy, not Jensen Ackles, the guy from Supernatural, um, who's trying to find his sister. And I think Evil Dead will rile up people more. But I think that remake was very good. And I think it's in part because Sam Raimi was involved, even though his films in the last decade have been a little bit wishy-washy. But I do think that film, like the scene in the bathroom where the girl ends up being possessed and she you know pees herself and whatever like that again visceral image sound everything i just think it is very good i think it was awesome that they gave her the drug addiction is why no one believes her that this stuff is happening that was yep. but you know what's going to save you from being canceled by the evil dead fans is the fact the end credit scene that bruce campbell as ash is in that universe so technically it's not a remake Oh, uh, I think. <laughs> okay. All right. So then I guess we'll go with Friday the 13th. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I would go with the thing. Really? Yeah. John Carpenter versus the thing from another planet. Yeah. I think, I think your answer might get you canceled. Ooh. <laughs> But also good choice. That wasn't even on my radar, but yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good one. Great. Yeah. These are not easy. I tell you. No. You know? All right. So next question. Favorite horror sequel. Ooh, that one is so tough uh, because I'm really, I do not love sequels and reimagining of films. That said, if I really had to pick, probably I would end up going with uh, Dream Warriors, Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warriors, which is the third one. I think that one is so well done. Just you can, like, there are certain images in that film that really cut deep. You can almost feel it. I think, you know, Freddy is ruthless in it, but then also even though I said I don't really love sequels, I do want to throw out like an honorary mention to H2O, which is very polarizing, and also Scream 2, which I think does deserve a shout out. I think for a sequel, Scream 2 is very well done. Yeah, those are all really good choices. Hot take for Dream Warriors. Mm -hmm. Does Dream Warriors surpass the original? Oh, oh, I don't know if that's really... Uh, it definitely surpasses the second one. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> there is that is um, not a hot take. That is pretty much <laughs> hard fact. That is a hard fact for sure. Also, like I mean, the second one, I think in the appropriate setting, is a very fun watch, but it's not a very good film. But I don't think it surpasses the original. I think the original truly is something of its own. I wish that they were kind of separate films and one wasn't a sequel because it can stand on its own. But I mean, I don't know that it would have the same effect if it did stand on its own. Like, I think you need that first one to really set the stage for Freddy in order to very much appreciate how ruthless he is in the third one. Do you, you totally disagree? No, honestly, I, I like part three the best of all of them. If I had to watch one of them, it would be part three over the others, you know, pretty much mm. nine times out of ten. I find it it's a deeper story with a bigger variety of characters and just like the dream powers gives them a whole different feel. And actually, it's sort of the first legacy sequel. I know it was only three years later, but as yeah. far as mixing a new cast with people coming back from the original. That's true. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a good. I think honestly, that's maybe why, in part, I like it because I think sometimes there there can be a cheesy aspect to it. I think maybe this is why I also like H two O 
and Scream 2. I think the legacy characters that stayed in it, they're not caricatures or cartoons of themselves. They kind of hold their own in these films. And I think Dream Warriors in particular, that it does a really good job of that, like respecting the lore of Freddy, so to speak. Um, not that there's really lore. Lore is like a, an extreme word for it because there's only one film before it. That said, I think you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think about the actual remake? Oh, of Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't it's know. It's so bad. It's so bad. I don't know who it was made for. I don't think it was made for fans of the original. I think it might have just been made for a new audience that doesn't watch old movies. Because it clearly was not there for the long-term fans of the series. I agree. I think it was really meant to, really for new fans. I I don't know how they made that film thinking that old fans would even remotely appreciate it. It was so poorly done, written, just not not good at all. Just really, I really wish they hadn't made that film. Right. Your other two I, I like, too. Your other two I agree with. H2O, if anyone listened to our Halloween episode. Uh, I think I had it number four on my list of best Halloween films. I appreciated that it was higher up on your list. I know that Fred um, did not love it, which I respect, and I get it. I get why fans don't always love that film, uh, but I think it was very well done. It was. It was definitely a product of its time, but it was also the first to kind of create the, the, the Michaelverse as far as kind of erasing the previous movies. But is it a problem when a film in particular, like a sequel, is a product of its time? I don't know. Maybe I'm older so or I feel older and maybe that's why it does give me a level of comfort because we grew up during that period of time, but I don't have an issue with it being a product of its time. You think that takes away from it? Oh no, no, I don't mean that as an insult, but it was definitely <laughs> part of that post scream resurgence of, you know, smart characters and horror films, mm -hmm. you know, bigger stars. Now, actually we have a scream episode coming up, so I'm going to delve a lot deeper into it then. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's a fun one. I just found it very interesting that, Scream 1 referenced Halloween and definitely showed its reverence for the classic. Mm -hmm. And then in doing so, Scream reinvented the genre. Now, H2O was done in the style of Scream, going as far as reusing some of the soundtrack from those films. Uh, wait. In what parts? There's a few parts. I know right before the movie came out, they announced they're going to rescore the movie. And it was like weeks before it was coming out. I'm like, they're going to do it now? So what they did is they took some of the score from Scream and Scream 2 and put it into H2O. Like there's this one scene that I could tell specifically is when Michael is flipping over the tables. Uh-huh. Yeah. And okay. that score there was taken directly from Scream 2. Oh, uh, wow, I did not know yeah. that. Check it out on, on YouTube. You can find a video showing where these were lifted from. That's so, whoa, that's really cool. Yeah, I do have to see that. I love when little, I love when there are little Easter eggs like that that are interwoven into the overall like horror niche, if you will. That's very cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. That's a very cool tidbit. Yeah, so if you notice, it says soundtrack composed by John Ottman. And then they said, music so i forget what they termed it but selected music by and then it was the score from scream so mm, it was different okay. enough that john outman actually put out portrait of terror which was his h2o soundtrack yeah okay that yeah that makes yeah okay that's cool yeah i definitely have to find that youtube video i want to go down that that rabbit hole <laughs> yeah they're all the, all those were owned by dimension at the time so it was easy yeah. for them to kind of pull from their library without having to pay. Yeah. Yeah. Next question. If you could remake any horror movie, what would it be? 13 Ghosts. Actually, did you hear they're making a TV series? I did. And I don't approve. But I would love if they remade it. Still had Matthew Lillard. Still had all the people who played all the ghosts. But 
redid the entire family. <laughs> gotcha. That's actually on my my yearly list I rewatch every October. Oh, really? I mean, I think, look, I, I actually, I love that film. Uh, again, I think the gore in it, I think the storyline, I, I just do genuinely love that film. But the family annoys me so much. So I just want them all to die so badly. So, uh, yeah, but I love that film and that is a rare film that i would be down for them to remake yeah well it sounds like you're sort of getting your wish in a way maybe, <sighs> maybe the tv series will lead to another movie Ugh, we'll see <laughs> yeah so we'll see that was, that was a good one so Thanks. i think you mentioned this answer but i'm going to ask anyways it's on my 13 <laughs> questions so i have to make the list official okay favorite horror director John Carpenter. Great, great answer. Yeah, so easy. I mean, an icon, just fantastic. So smart, so in touch with people and regular language and simple tactics to really scare you. And even though I know the original Halloween didn't have a soundtrack at first and was a big flop until he added in all those simple tones, the amount of what he's achieved and done after that is, I mean, it's amazing. So other than Halloween, what was your favorite Carpenter movie? I love the thing. I love they live. Um, uh, there's the one where the guy is not trapped in a funeral. He's trapped. Uh, like people are possessed on the outside. The name is escaping me right now, but, but really there is not a film that I don't, love even escape from new york and now like i think all of his films range from being very good to excellent you know what movie i swear and it seems like it's universally hated but again i watch it every year is village of the damned from 1995 i think that's a fun film it's fun it's it moves fast it's it's you know it's a cool premise and i think the the direction of the very end when the children are trying to read his mind and he's like visualizing the brick wall Mm -hmm. That's really intense. First time I watched it, I'm like, wow, this is actually really, really intriguing. For some reason, it gets a ton of hate yeah. on the internet, but hey, I like it. It gets a lot of hate on the internet, but I think real horror fans do have space for it. I think that they do appreciate it. It is not a bad film. It's not his best, but it's not a bad film. It's an easy watch. And also, I feel like that's a film that's not so long. Like, I think a lot of films that came out in the last 20 years horror in particular used to be very quick or quicker films and now they're so much longer that they kind of drag out and i miss when films were a little bit faster by like 10 or 15 minutes and so yeah i i'm a fan of that film i get where you're coming from it's interesting you say that there's a lot of movies that i watch that i always say it would have been way better if it was 20 minutes shorter and I say that a lot more than I used to say it. So maybe it's just what you're saying. It's, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. for whatever reason. I think that's why I like also B movies, because often they don't have budget for longer stories and films. And, you know, they have to wrap faster. And so they are usually faster um, to also complete in terms of your viewing session. So, so yeah, I think a lot of films nowadays are just really long in ways that they don't have to be or shouldn't be. Like Terrifier 2, I don't think there's any reason that movie should have been <sighs> two hours and 20 minutes. No. 90 minutes. No. There were scenes that just dragged. Like that dream sequence when all the people were playing at the, the clubhouse. Mm -hmm. That scene clocked in at about eight minutes. That should have been like three and Art the Clown is such a fun character, but truthfully, I don't know why they're making a sequel for as a Christmas film next year. I don't I don't understand. I just don't. I think Art the Clown as a character is really fun and would be amazing in a sequence of short films. But in these long feature films, he's just not exciting enough. It's just not these films are just not strong enough. Yeah, I was very intrigued by beginning of part two when he was in he was washing his clothes and he was like naked in the laundromat and then mm -hmm. he saw the little girl and we found out it's part of his imagination and i was like oh mm -hmm. they're starting to get into his psyche but i feel like that wasn't really carried out past that yeah again 
I wish that they would make a series of short films for him. Right. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Then again, you know, probably get a lot of hate. People were listening to it like, ah, oh, these people don't know what they're talking about. But, hey, it's subjective. I and I really care for these movies. I want these movies to be yeah. successful. So we, we, we say this out of love for the, for the genre. Yeah. And, and me too, like same here, because I do think that obviously these films are also not easy to make. And Doug knows that. Um, better than any of us. These are really hard things to do, to write, to direct, to finalize and produce and et cetera, all the things that go into it. And I love these films and I love these franchises and characters, but sometimes a film just doesn't need to be almost two and a half hours. Yeah, I agree. Come on, just get to the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like for me personally, when I'm looking through like streaming and I'm looking for a movie to watch, Sometimes mm -hmm. I'm looking for that 90 minutes, 80 to 90 minutes sometimes if I never heard of a movie. Because, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of options out there. It's You're competing for your, your time. And sometimes I'd rather watch two movies in a three-hour span than one movie. Yeah. Yep. Of course, there's exceptions. Absolutely. But for the most part, when you're talking about movies you never heard of, when you're looking at a thumbnail and a, pretty much what movies get you for in, on this, the day of streaming, title and thumbnail. Sometimes that's all you get. Do you remember in the 90s or was it early 2000s? I don't remember the name of the show, but it was specifically on the sci-fi channel at the time. And it was shown like after I think 11 o'clock on Fridays or Saturday nights. And it was just a half hour of short horror and science fiction films, just shorts. No, I no, I never heard uh, that. It was on for it wasn't, I think, that many seasons, but I remember being exposed to so many cool things that really opened up my world in terms of not everything has to be so filled with content. Sometimes the shorter things, I think that's also why I'm, I'm genuinely a fan of, of your franchise and the films that you make. Sometimes the simplicity and the shorter stories leave you wanting so much more. So you're more enticed and in you know waiting to follow and see what else comes from those makers yeah and a lot of times i find it seems to be a trend is a, a lot of stories that should have been a, a 90 to two hour movie ends up becoming a 10 hour miniseries or 10 hour season like the stand <laughs> or did you see the miss tv series from a few years back oh, oh my god oh yeah <laughs> you know what that series no lie changed my life Really? I watched the whole season and I remember I got a couple episodes in. I was like, man, I can't stand these characters. And I hate the way the movie looks or the TV show looks like there's a way of making making mist look cool. It was just white. It was yeah. void. And I was like, I, I got to finish this thing. And I was like angry watching it. I like, I got to finish it. I was like, hate watching it. But I, and that changed my life because I decided after the end, that season ended and we still didn't learn anything new. I'm like, if I'm not digging something, I'm just, I'm just going to cut bait and, and watch something else. Like I, it's, that's too much time. There's no reason to put 10 hours into something that should have been 90 minutes. I totally agree. Not good. And even to miss the film, you know, at the end, like I love the end with, with Thomas Jane. I, I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. I think it's hilarious. That said, I think that movie is so bad. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. Yeah. Great. Next question. Favorite horror actor or actress? Ooh, I think my favorite horror, okay, actor and actress. Uh, oh, why is his name? Everything is escaping me tonight, of course. The the guy from Halloween 3. Tom Atkins. <laughs> yes, Tom Atkins is probably one of my favorite horror actors. I love him so much. Um, and then... I guess honorary mention would be Jamie Lee Curtis. Great. And I, I feel I feel like saying Jamie Lee Curtis is such a stereotypical answer, but honestly, again, someone you see her trajectory and how, you know, like she was in prom night and then was in uh, Midnight Train or uh, you know, all these different films and even 
True Lies is not a horror film by any means, but it's a thriller. And I just think that someone like her is very cool to watch in all of these different things that lean into thriller and horror and how she's returned to it after all these years. Um, but yeah, Tom Atkins is so amazing, also hilarious, such a ladies man in all of the films. Um, always has so much sass as well. Uh, yeah, he's just really fun to watch. He's in ha- Halloween three, man, that character we got canceled today. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. nursing the ass. He's, you know, talks to the other one about bringing her out to dinner. He's sleeping with a robot. Uh, he, he hits on every woman in that woman and machine in that movie. And he gets it in a lot too. I mean, he's great. I, I, you're totally right. He would not make it through today, but he's very fun to watch for that time. Yeah. Awesome character, awesome actor. Mm-hmm. So you can cross over any horror movie with another horror movie, or it could be any horror character with a different movie altogether, not even in the horror genre. So like make a combination film? Yeah. Ooh. I would... I would probably want to combine the Peanuts, like Snoopy and Charlie Brown, with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Wow. Okay. Who's the final girl in that one? Woodstock. Woodstock? Oh, wow. They can't catch him. (laughs) They can't catch him, but he also can't speak. Okay. Who who gets it on the meat hook? Hmm. Maybe Lucy. I think the theater would applause at that one. Yeah, I think that's an easy one for sure. <laughs> what if Woodstock actually led them to the slaughterhouse and he turns out that he is part of the Sawyer family? Ooh, okay. Yeah, maybe that's better. And then Snoopy actually does play the killer. Maybe that's... maybe. Maybe you need to write this film. Wow, I like it. That's yeah, I've never thought about crossing those two over. Yeah, you're welcome. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be an interesting thing for Hollywood to do, the crossover. But not mm-hmm. even like your obvious crossovers, like Freddy vs. Jason, but, but crossing over genres. Yeah. Like, but what, what do you think? Should it be claymation? Should it be animated or, or not? Hmm. I guess, it, I guess I it's asked, hard to do any, you couldn't do live action because you can't really, you know, I don't think Charlie Brown would cross over live action. The reason why I ask is because I also just watched Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, and that looked so awful. So I don't think it would, it would look great on screen if it was not animated or claymation or CGI. I know it'd be really interesting. So you know, Sally wakes up and she's tied to the chair and all the people are looking at her going, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to write this That's now. amazing. <laughs> We're making cinematic history here on the Scarestive Horror Podcast. Oh, uh, really? I would watch it. I would watch it. Wow. Let me be a part of it. <laughs> you got something here. Yeah. <laughs> Great. That's awesome. We got a next question. Favorite horror soundtrack? Oh, I don't, I don't want to say Halloween. It's, it's too cliche, but it is what it is. It's, it's what it is. I, so, you know what? I can't, I've said Halloween for how many things? That's unfair. I have to give love elsewhere, but I, I do think that Halloween is the most memorable, but in terms of favorite soundtrack, I think the most beautiful horror soundtrack is is um, A Nightmare Before Christmas. I don't think anything really measures up to that, not even close. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Great movie, yeah. great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. That's a good answer. Thanks. Favorite Halloween candy, since we're talking about Halloween. Oh man. Does it have to look like a Halloween candy? Or it could be anything? I guess it could be any candy. 
favorite Halloween candy? I have not, I don't know that I've ever really thought about that. Um, well, you know, I no longer eat dairy. That said, probably if I could, and I can get ones that are, are plant-based, but peanut butter cups. Great. Maybe dark, dark chocolate peanut butter cups. I like, you know what? I love peanut butter cups, and it's probably my favorite Halloween candy too, but specifically the pumpkin-shaped ones. Yeah. It's got a yep. chocolate, I find, is a better consistency than the cups. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Hey, we're on the same boat here. Yeah. And you know which ones are not nearly as good, but the same company when they make the peanut butter cups in the tree form, like for Christmas yeah. instead. And those are not nearly the same as when you have them as pumpkin shaped. Okay. Yeah. The hearts are good. The eggs are good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Reese's knows what they're doing. Yeah. They I'm do. surprised <laughs> they don't have one for each month. They'll have like yeah. a giant star for 4th of July. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And I, I miss Reese's Pieces so much. I'm waiting for them to make a plant-based version of that. Those were like one of my all-time favorite candies. But yeah, peanut butter cups are so easy to just eat and like devour, you know. Great. All right. We got two more questions. And I'm tired of you out. This has been um a lot more challenging than, than you anticipated, huh? Yes, actually, definitely. <laughs> so not counting aliens doesn't count, but a lot of horror okay. franchises have hit to space. What is the best horror sequel to take place in space? And I, I guess I cannot say Jason X. <laughs> so wait, it's a sequel that has actually happened in space? Yeah. Like, or... There's been a few. There's been, you know, Leprechaun in space. There's been... Um, no. Hellraiser Bloodline was one. Mm. Jason yeah. X. Oh Probably yeah, I mean, at one point. I yeah, I think I'm going to have to say Jason X. And again, I have such a soft spot for that film. I think it is a comedic cinematic masterpiece. I love that film so much. It's so campy. It's so funny. It's so over the top. And he is ridiculously massive in that film, yet also feels super weak in it. I don't know. There's a lot going on in it, and I just love to to watch that film. Part of it is hate watch, and part of it is I actually love that film. My favorite part was when they did the virtual Camp Crystal Lake. I kind of wish they delved yeah. a little longer. It was very brief. I was hoping for more. I bet there were, I bet it was a longer scene. And I'm I'm with you. I'm disappointed. I feel like easily that could have been extended for sure and i want to believe that there is more to it but they had to cut it yeah makes sense possibility yeah yeah i think jason x was you know the third of like the bigger franchises to go to space so at that point i think we were a little more hardened to it yeah yeah and just an honorary mention of a space film that's not a sequel that takes place in space but a space-based horror film event horizon i think is one of also the most frightening um and awesome space horrors that i've ever seen i watch that movie also every few years in it i just love it so much cool all right we are on our last question question number 13 oh man we're gonna kind of throw an audible here because i know um halloween has come up a lot in this conversation mm -hmm. so this is a thing that most people would not be happy to see but if michael myers had to speak in a movie what line would you be okay with him saying? Oh, man. I feel like I'd be okay with him making the yuck sound that Goofy makes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Nothing else. No words, just a Goofy sound. Oh, man. <laughs> Is that an acceptable answer? Hey, that's your answer. That's your answer. <laughs> and you're sticking to it. No. Yep. That's it. I, I, I think seeing that or hearing that in any film would, would really change the whole vibe. Certainly would. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly would. There's one line that I would be okay with him saying. I don't think he needed okay. to speak, which I thought they were going to actually have him speak because in the opening part of 2018, right before we go to the credits, the doctor says he could speak. He just doesn't want to. And then... Mm -hmm. Before it comes to the credits, you have the podcaster yelling, say something, say something. And they made it such an emphasis. I was like, man, are they going to have him mm -hmm. speak there in the series? 
Never happened. It kind of never paid off. That was it. But the fact that they gave so much emphasis to that line, I thought they were going somewhere with it, but they didn't, which is fine. I don't think they needed to. But I, you don't think that they did that though, just because of Rob Zombie's franchise and how the kid did speak for so many years. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm not sure what went to that decision. Because usually, like, what happens, you know, when it's that much emphasis going to him speaking, like, I figured, like, that would kind of pay off eventually. So I'm glad it didn't. But I just thought that that was going to be something they factored in. Uh But there'd be one line that would be really fun and really satisfying hearing him say. So at the end of 2018's film, when Judy Greer's Karen character tricks Michael with the gun, Mm -hmm. she says, gotcha, and shoots him. And then mm-hmm. Halloween kills. She has him chase. She grabs the mask. Got your mask. And has him chase her into the street and goes, gotcha. I think it would be great if in the final scene, when Michael appears behind her right before he stabs her, he goes, gotcha. Tr- good. You know what? I will give you this because I, that is laying it out like that. Absolutely. Totally agree. I do think if he were to say anything, that would have been the, the perfect moment and the perfect word so yes i i feel like you set me up to answer it as eloquently as you did instead (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine if instead he did just end up instead of saying gotcha with like (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) either one is great but yeah i think yeah okay i'm gonna give you that one instead you win that one all right no wrong answers here. <laughs> yuck and yuck is just as viable an answer as gotcha. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, sadly, this comes to the end of the podcast. Oh. This was very enjoyable. I enjoyed speaking with you and having you on the show. This rules. Thank you so much. What an honor and a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited. And I'm so excited that you're doing this finally. So I can't even wait to listen to all of your episodes. Yeah, no, it's been fun so far. I'm looking forward to the future of the show. But why don't you tell us where we can find you, your Instagram, Twitter, or what are you using? So currently I'm making some weird and also tasty art. So I bake. Um, my baked goods are for sale and I make weird art with cat hair that's also leaning towards the macabre. So you can find me on Instagram at ghoul uh, underscore whip, ghoul whip. Um, and then for my makeup stuff, you can find me at Dalen Lane MUA. Excellent. Yeah, definitely follow Dalen. She has a very interesting Instagram. She posts a lot of cool <laughs> makeup that she does. Very talented Thanks. person. Thank you. And thank you so much again for having me. This has been such a joy. I feel very honored um, and touched that I'm on on this show with you. So thank you. Oh, shucks. (laughs) Yep, yep. yep. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely we'll have you on again in the future. This has been a lot of fun. Yay. Can't wait. Thanks for listening to the Scaresif Horror Podcast. You could find out more about our productions on our Instagram at scared underscore stiff underscore films. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.